everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of Brewer Magazine, the podcast. I'm your host and the publisher of Brewer Magazine, Tyler McDonald. In this episode, our editor, John Seacott, caught up with Andrew Dinner. He's the co-founder and head brewer of Four Saints Brewing Company, a brewery in Asheboro, North Carolina. You'll find out in the interview that they're also the only brewery in Asheboro, North Carolina. Evidently, there's a new one coming very soon, but at the moment, they own the space. They also own some unique strategies that are unique to their brewery in North Carolina, and that's where we're coming to today. Dimming has designed a strategy to help reduce CO2 through a carbon-neutral brewing process. In addition to that, they're also using hemp strategy, a hemp strategy in their founding father's hemp ale. Bringing both together, they're really making some really unique strategies and some really unique methods um, that are critical to the future of brewing and sustainability. But I don't want to lead in too much. So without further ado, here's our editor, John Seacott, and Andrew Deming, the co-founder and head brewer of Four Saints Brewing Company in Asheboro, North Carolina. Hope you enjoy. Cheers. process for us. Um, the brewing process itself is inherently can't be carbon neutral. You know, you're right. heating, you're using fossil fuels, and there's a lot of still waste. Um, essentially, uh, purchasing offsets, you know, planting trees that over the lifespan, over a 40 year lifespan, will neutralize that carbon produced. I think probably one of the bigger impacts it makes um, is to be conscious about what you're using during the process, thinking, mm-hmm. you know, can I reuse this water? Can I use less of this? Can I not necessarily run the burner this long or run the pump this long? Or do I have to run cooling power to do it? So, you know, this batch that we made was a pilot batch. It was 30 gallons. We served it at a festival last Saturday. It's completely gone. Sure. So I think that's probably the bigger impact for me is the long-term longevity of, you know, just being conscious about it, how much it's going to save us on the production system, knowing that it took us this big of an effort to be carbon neutral on just this 30 gallons of beer. Here I am making, you know, seven times that much in the production system and mm-hmm. exponentially increasing those gains um, in our day-to-day uh, production use. So, um, and green-wise, but is there a, a cost savings to it as well? I mean, is, is it, can, yeah, I mean, can you less, quantify it? Uh, it's hard to, and that's sure. one of the things that we struggle with with working with the urban offsets, you know, is exactly how much um, splitting up the... The utility uses on just this batch of beer, the light usage, the, the walk-in cooler usage, the, you know, the water specifically. So we we erred very much on the side of caution on determining how much of those things we use. But, you know, obviously, you know, if you're conscious about these things, the less gas you use to heat water, the more energy savings, the less lights you use, the less cooling. So um, thinking about that across the board, uh, to quantify it, it's a difficult one. Sure. Uh, but like you said, you have to be conscious of it. How hard is that in from your background to working towards this way? Uh, something that you wanted to do, or is this something that you know, is, something is, we've, is learned? We've, you know, carbon neutral was not a goal of ours. It was something Urban Offsets approached us about doing this, and we thought it was a fantastic idea. Um, we've always tried to be conscious of you know, utilities we use. Um, from the beginning, we are construction. Uh, we used a product called, called Phase Change, which is kind of in addition to insulation. It's basically a large uh, thermal thermal energy storage, and it's anywhere there were drywall or um, studding put into our building. It's encapsulated in there, 
and basically as uh, either from the brewing process, uh, the ambient air heats up or people in tap and the air heats up, that energy is stored in the walls. Um, it really works in the wintertime, but um, it's stored in the walls and as the temperature drops back down in the room, the heat is pushed back into it. So it's really kind of works like a frying pan, like a cast iron frying pan where it's a lot of energy storage and maintains a consistent temperature. Um, we really have a baseline to go off of for utility usage, there's two or three other uh, buildings around us that put that in, they had an instant 30% utility savings. Oh, wow. Um, every light bulb in our building is LED. Um, we have skylights in our brew house, so we spend a significant amount of money opening up so we can use natural, natural light to light while we can. Um, from the just the inherent brewing process of capturing hot water from brewing one batch and using it for the next is kind of an industry standard, but you know, doing as much of those things as we can just to reduce our footprint. That's things that we've done since the beginning, even before this, the carbon neutral process. So, was it an important thing for the founders and, and, and the brewery in general to try to, you know, yep. uh, just be a part of this, you know, green initiative and yeah, making sure you're, from, from you're being good to the area? From a cost saving standpoint and from the, the environmental impact, it's, yeah. it's definitely important for most of those aspects. You know, like you said, when you're going to be building this up to a, a seven-barrel batch and how well it went. I mean, it was obviously well-received. Was yep. the story a part of that, or is it just a good beer that people really like? It's tough to tell. You know, the, the festival that it went to is something that we pretty much sell out of beer when we go to. Uh -huh. um, there also was a, a hemp aspect to it. We used a significant amount of hemp flour in there, so it's, it's hard, hard to determine what the draw for it was. But um, I'd be curious to explore that again if, if we do a production batch and see how much of it is the draw. I think we could possibly increase um, awareness with it and maybe get it a little more in marketing if we were to can it, but then there's a whole other ball of wax there with right. determining the, the carbon footprint when you can and transport to, you know, 70, 75 mile radius to all these different retail accounts, so that would be a little difficult to do. Well, take me back to the beer that you guys did, this uh, hemp ale, and how, what kind of process is that to get it certified? And is that, you'd said you talked about possibly canning down the line with it, and that's a whole new ball of wax. You know, take, give me the process of formulating a beer like this and then moving it towards production and right. getting it legalized. Because you've heard people kind of get shot down for trying to put out beer like this. Right. So we're not using actual uh, canvas terpenes. This is uh, straight hemp and it's uh, spent flour. Okay. Um, there's a hemp producer near us that uses North Carolina grown hemp. They do an alcohol extraction of the CBD oil. Okay. Um, so then we take the, the spent, spent flour after that and just use that in, in replacing with hops. So the beer itself is uh, an English dark mild uh, base style. Um, we kind of thought that the kind of some of the floral, floral woody characteristics of the hemp might replace like some East Kent Golding hops. Um, so we kind of still a little bit of hops in there, uh, replaced most of them with uh, with the hemp, uh, used it in a late whirlpool, and then a significant amount of dry hop as well. Um, got approval from the state. You know, they were totally fine with it. We have uh, chemical analysis from an independent laboratory saying there is absolutely zero measurable, absolutely zero psychoactive chemicals in it, yep. um, and there is a the most minuscule amount of traceable um, CBD, which uh, if we were over like 0.3%, we would have to show that on the label, but we are a thousand percent less than that. Oh, so, um, we can't claim health apps, we can't claim health benefits anyways. Um, but there is, you know, 
totally on the up and up. I know there are some of the, some of the breweries in Florida have used actual um, cannabis terpenes, which is a little significantly different. Sure. Um, and I think there's some Colorado breweries that are just using straight. <laughs> yeah. So that's 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 something completely different, and that's something that you know a lot of the hemp producers also want to completely separate themselves from. Hemp is not marijuana, exactly. and they're completely different animals. They're some very similarly you know, similar plants, but different, completely different um, results. So we we try to distance the, the association of hemp and marijuana, which is an education process itself. Completely, yeah, completely. Um, because when people smell the beer, they do kind of get. Oh wow! This smells like high school, or <laughs> college, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, there, there is that, but you know, it's so yeah. There, there's a little bit of a challenge there, the education part. Well, yeah. Explain what are you guys? What are you guys right now in in terms of size distribution? What are you guys? Where are you guys going? How much you make? Yeah. So, uh, seven barrel brew house. Um, we have three seven barrel fermenters, two fifteen barrel fermenters. Um, last year. Uh, 2017 was our two and a half years of full production. Um, started 350 barrels, 750 last year was just about 20 barrels under a thousand. Um, at current pace, we'll probably do almost 1,300 barrels this year. Okay. Um, so wholly self-distributed um, taproom is about 35% of our um, of our volume. Uh, the rest of that's going out in kegs. Um, we have one one delivery driver. Is now a transition to sales, and we're probably looking at you know, picking up a, another delivery driver. Um, we distribute about a 75 mile radius, not really looking to go much further beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the, the trend now is let's go deeper where we are instead of spread, spread wider. Absolutely. I think the days of new regional breweries are you know, that's not the trend and that's not the way to go. And honestly, I'd, I wouldn't mind pulling that back even a little bit more. You know, Putting more back into the tap room, I think we've plateaued that a little bit. Um, kind of maxed out about as much as we can do there. We are looking to do some growth. Um, we have some space above our tap room where we can do some private event space. Um, we're going to expand into the building next to us for uh, put in our own canning line, a walk-in cooler, and then another separate barrel room slash private event space. So looking to expand in the area where where we already are, not grow wider. So. And it's important. I mean, you have so many consumers out there that you can still attach to. Uh, and that's, uh, I think a lot of breweries are starting to realize that, that they can capture the market. They might think they've already saturated their market and then find out, no, you haven't. No, no. And I think we're a great example of that. We're in a city of 26,000 that was dry 10 years ago. Um, you know, so alcohol is, is new to new-ish to the city. Obviously, people were still buying it and bringing it and drinking it, but yeah. um, we're the only brewery there. Um, the only brewery in the county. There's another one coming soon, but um, we still meet people every day. We go, I didn't know we had a brewery, and we're right, I mean, right freaking downtown. Yeah, uh, We've got a billboard out on the main highway. We do advertising in the newspaper, on the radio, so there's still people out there that drink craft beer that we haven't met yet, that haven't, don't know about us, and there's still plenty of market share to take from the big guys. Yep. Um, you know, seeing the, the the speech this morning with um, you know the, the opening speech is still impressive there's growth that's still there there's still market share to be taken so yeah uh, there's still points to be sold to new people yeah for sure well you talked a little bit about the growth that you guys have uh, been working towards uh, is it 
is it where are you finding your growth right now is and you want to kind of move back towards the tap room like you said i mean what's your guys's goal in the next year or two um so we are still growing wholesale you know i think to to what we're doing in the tap room we have kind of plateaued until we have more space available we are uh-huh. opening two more days a week actually just yesterday was the first tuesday we've been open oh cool um Sticking our toe in the water there, see how that goes, and maybe expanding that. You know, we just hired two more taproom employees, so that'll help us uh, be able to provide that. But um, more wholesale, um, and then I think uh, putting our own canning line is going to increase our margins on selling canned beer. Right now, we're still making a little bit of money, but you know, once once we own our own canning line, the margin will increase. We'll be able to push cans out more, um, can our core beers on a more consistent basis. Right now, you know. It's, we'll do one of our core beers in an IPA, and then they'll sell out and be gone. So it's hard to keep a retail account that wants to have, say, a Omi, which is our blonde ale, our potter's clay, our amber ale. If they want to keep it in stock all the time, and we can't twice a year, it's, it's hard for them to keep that on the shelf and keep it on a consistent basis. Sure. So we'll, we'll be able to do that once we have our own canning line and the storage capability. To, um, I, I guess we could do that now, but we have to store it warm, and that's not, not what we want to do from a product quality standpoint. So. Yeah. We try to keep everything cold and keep it as fresh as possible and keep it moving and not just us sell it to to an account, but also make sure that they're moving it fast enough that it stays fresh as well. So that's another aspect that we're exploring there is what's the threshold 